the number one worst piece of advice that I got when I started in real estate. So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate? To get the answers, we interview the top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today, I have none other than Mr. Rich King here with us today. Uh, Rich is out of Spokane, Washington, and over the last five years, or actually six years, has done a little bit north of $93.2 million in volume, has done over 246 deals. And believe it or not, the time has been flying because it's only been since 2017. So we're not even really fully close to six years yet, are we yet, Rich? Not quite. No, it'll be February. Okay, so I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, age this, but but guys, today we're going to be covering um, three distinct topics of what not to do as an agent, how to claim your community and farm the crap out of it. So get ready for that one. And number three, topic number three is going to be shamelessly self-promoting yourself, your business, and everything that comes along with it, because since 2017. Rich has done 246 transaction sites. So I can't wait to unwrap it. Rich, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, my friend. How are you today? Thanks, Peter. Thanks for inviting me. No, great. Um, it's, it's a little bit earlier here on the West Coast where you're at, but it's a, it's another beautiful fall morning here in Spokane. No, no, nothing like starting your day with a coffee and a chat about real estate. I see I got my Celsius over here that I'm rocking because I'm a few hours ahead of you. But nonetheless, <laughs> these should not be. <laughs> we should not be drinking these so early in the morning. But hey, coffee's enough for me. <laughs> you know, th- and, and that's amazing. Some people like coffee. Some people are energy drinks. Some people are Red Bulls, right? Yeah. So I would ask you what your first year in real estate looked like, but I already kind of know. But the audience does it. So take us back to 2017. What did it look like, you know, closing 13 transactions, almost $2.2 million in sales and walk us through your journey? Because, gosh, what you're literally doubling or tripling your business pretty much year over year. And you've cracked the code doing something right. Well, I tell you what, it sure didn't feel like it at first when I uh, I was 55 years old in, in 2017. I'd been in uh, sales roles from uh, large uh, Fortune 1000 companies to small uh, B2B companies locally here. And uh, I lost my job. First time ever unemployed. I was working for a tech startup company that was struggling and they let me and several other people go. And here I am, 55 years old. And I think I've got a lot of sales experience. I can find a job. And this was, by the way, this was two weeks before Thanksgiving. So thanks for that. And uh, uh, I just started, I was spending uh, 40 hours a week looking for a job. And what I found is that it's tough being 55 years old and trying to to find somebody who will hire you when they could hire somebody a fraction of my age and at a fraction of the cost of doing that. And so a buddy of mine, uh, Tom Parrish, good, good brother of mine. He uh, he said, Rich, you ever thought about real estate? And I literally said, no. 
that quickly because I never thought about real estate. As a matter of fact, I didn't have real positive vibes about real estate because almost every movie I've ever seen where they have realtors, they're boobs, they're knuckleheads, they're unethical. And I'm thinking, who <laughs> wants so to be that? Yeah. I mean, who wants to be that? And uh, so uh, I just I started thinking a little bit about it and did some due diligence and uh, started reading, watching uh, uh, podcasts and, and, and different videos. And I, I finally interviewed three agents in town. Uh, the first one, I, one of my biggest questions was, so can you even make a living doing this? And uh, the first one, almost no. I mean, I was it scared the snot out of me. And uh he was not doing well. I think yeah. you were talking maybe to the wrong person. <laughs> I definitely was and just thought because he was a great guy and everything, he's he's probably successful. Not. And then the, the next one was a, a lady. I met with her for coffee and she was doing OK. She was making probably seventy five thousand dollars a year, which was way below what I was making before in my sales role. And I thought, oh, gosh, oh, for two here. And then the third person I asked was making a ton of money, like scary money, especially for Spokane, where the cost of living is, is quite a bit lower than most places, certainly where you're at, uh, uh, Peter. But it's uh, so I, I thought, well, gosh, if she could do that, I can do that. And so here I am unemployed again. I'm, so I'm studying 40 hours a week now, trying to knock out my 90 hours. I took the exam, passed it the first time. And then really knew at that point that I really had no idea what I was doing. And uh, so I started listening to insights and advice from agents in my office who were willing to give it to me. And, you know, here's what I found is that not all agents are the same. Wow. Big light bulb there. Right. I mean, people are different and some people are just better than others. And uh I got uh, I, I started that that first year just doing what my managing broker, my designated broker was telling me to do and some of the other agents. And I just found it to be really poor advice. And that's, you know, it's one of my topics. I want to talk a little bit about what is what not to do as a new agent. But, you know, I, I, I did that for several months and got nothing out of it. And then finally, just kind of stepped back, had a. A um, little bit of a light bulb come into my head and started doing some things differently. And then uh, so I by the way, I, I so I started in February. I didn't close my first transaction until the end of June. And it was for ninety eight thousand five hundred dollars volume. Were you at two percent, three percent, three percent on there? So what's that? It was like twenty eight hundred dollars or so. And I yes. thought, oh, my goodness. This, and I put a lot of time and effort into that, too, just trying to, to be great on my first uh, transaction. And I thought it's got to get better. And then thankfully, I closed 12 more uh, units between June and the end of December. So uh, 13 transactions uh, after my first year. And then, uh, then I, gosh, my next year, uh, had four, I did 45 transactions in my second year. And that was, i um, telling you, Peter, that was the most exhilarating, frustrating, stressful year of my entire life. I, was, I made more money than I ever had in any sales job that I had previous to that, but I had zero life. And uh, so made some, made some definite changes. You know, it's, it's, it's very interesting that you say that because you did have previous sales experience. And I, I want to kind of hone in on this a little bit and, and take a step back because a lot of people 
get into this or they're going to be listening to this podcast and say, oh, well, Rich had, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, however long you've been doing sales, years of experience. But the fact that it took you four or five months before you closed your first deal and it was a little deal, right? Yes, it was. Um, That's what I think is very, very impressive and puts things into perspective because it doesn't really matter what your background is. When you get started in real estate, we all start literally at zero, technically with zero experience. So just because you had years of sales experience, it's not like you were, you know, running out the gate, closing deals left and right. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. You know, it, what's really interesting about that is on all of my years of, of sales, it was in business to business or B2B sales roles. So this, this was calling on people, calling on um, executives from large corporations, for example, and then scheduling meetings. That's a that is so apples and oranges different than than being in sales in real estate and and, and just process and everything was so much different. I think the thing that I really had an advantage of from a, from having sales experience, really, quite frankly, the only real advantage is that a person who's who's any good at all in sales knows the rigor that's involved in in being good at sales. Is you and, drive, and it's also you, consistency, right? It is. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the other things that I found very interesting is that you went from zero to taking the four or five months closing one sale, and then you went from one sale to 12 more sales in literally half the time frame, or I should say the second half of the year, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just started, you know, going and going and going. So you caught some type of momentum. Did you do anything different in the first few months versus the second few months of, of the year where you got that much momentum? Yeah, so absolutely. So Peter, can I share with, uh, with, uh, yeah, please. with all of our listeners here, the number one worst piece of advice that I got when I started yeah. in real estate. This All is right. a bonus tip, guys. <laughs> here it is right here. So first one is what not to do as an agent is do not. So, and this was the advice that I get and I hear it all the time now from managing brokers and designated brokers to new agents is um, rich. Here's what I want you to do. Um, Sit down, write down the names of everybody you know here in town, especially your friends and your family, and then write them a letter and tell them you're new in real estate right now and that you would love to be able to help them buy or sell a home anytime in the in the near or distant future. And then send all those out and then call them and follow up and let them know about that. And you'll surely get business. Worst piece of advice ever. Um, and, and here's the reason why. And, and, and it took me six months to figure this out pretty much is mm-hmm. that um, I, I've lived in this town for 25 years at that time and in the same community. And I knew a lot of people and, you know, really connected into the uh, the school district my kids went through and my wife taught at and everything. And I wrote all these down. And I tell you what, people avoided me. And here's and, and it took me six months to figure out that of course they are. I finally thought to myself, why aren't people connecting with me? Why can't I get any 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 real uh, opportunities here? And I thought, you know what? I wouldn't hire me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I haven't done any well, one or two transactions by this time. And 
And, and I'm asking somebody to put their faith in me to help them sell the most expensive thing they've ever owned, their largest asset likely. And, and, and I'm asking them because we're friends or family or what have you, that I should be able to help them do that. I wouldn't have hired me. And so and, I'm here. Yeah. And on top of that, you sent them a letter telling them that you are new and then you're following up with them, telling them that you are new and trying to earn their trust at one of the biggest financial transactions of their life. Exactly. All at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know what I was thinking. And, and I think it was finally it started to occur to me that this was what's happening. So I literally my, my thought process was this. None of my friends, none of my family, none of the people who know me in my community are going to call me until I've proven myself first. Yes. I'm better off calling on people who don't know me because they yes. don't. Not only do they not know me. There's a little bit of a disadvantage just from maybe a trust or respect thing. But mm -hmm. what they don't know, too, is that I'm brand new and I don't have to share that with them. And I'm certainly not going to. And so what so I got that that first transaction literally was a give me by another agent at our office who kindly didn't take a referral fee on that. Thank goodness, because I hardly made anything to begin with. But um, <laughs> gave me this yeah. hey, rich, you know, he was a mentor. He's a good guy. He could get this flat out. So my first one was a listing. So I I learned a little bit about um, listing uh, a property and closing with all the problems that go with that. So that was really good. After that, um, how I got my. Uh, my 12 more transactions, most of them thereafter, I actually, and not doing it now, but I use Zillow. I became a Zillow buyer's agent then. And, uh, and so I spent some money and I literally, I was so afraid of doing this when I first started, uh, because again, I'd been unemployed for a little bit. Uh, I took about $25,000 from my uh, my uh, retirement account and I stuck it into my business bank account and I knew that I was going to have to spend a little money to probably make a little money. So I became a, a Zillow buyer's agent. And I got, uh, by the end of that year, I got 5.2 times my money back on what I invested in, in Zillow leads then. Wow. Now, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, things changed big the next year after that. And I, and I got out and haven't used it since. But uh, it was good for me as a starting point. And I got most of those were uh, buyers then to help me finish that year. So but at, but at the same time, I shifted also to figuring out, OK, now how can I really make an in, impact on being on the listing side? And uh, that's when I abandoned that whole approach again of, of calling on my friends and family and people who knew me. And I started uh, working on putting together a farm. Hey, I just wanted to jump in here and let you know, if you would like access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. Now back to the show. Beautiful. So don't, let's not dive in there just yet, because yeah. that's going to be topic two. I want to I wanna dive in a little bit into more topic one of the things of not to do as an agent. Mm-hmm. One of the things um, that I'm noticing, that I'm realizing, even myself and for everybody who's a new agent listening, pay attention. The make a list, call your friends, tell them you're brand new, like Rich is saying, is one of the biggest mistakes you will yes. do and you will make. Friends and family 
are typically the hardest to win over because they know every one of your endeavors, they pay attention Mm -hmm. and they think it's one of those things where you're going to be in for a short period of time. And why would I trust you in this process? Now, don't get me wrong. Some of them will give you a chance probably because they feel bad for you, right? Or they want to see you succeed and they're vested in your success, aka your mom, your dad, maybe your best bro. But I know every single business that I started, every single one of my closest friends and family, before I got them to trust and buy in and do something with me when it came to my business, and I had to earn it. I had to almost work twice or three or four times as hard. And what I realized is also with friends and family is sometimes it's not that it's not worth it, but your relationships can get a little bit strained. Because now they're expecting the completely unreasonable from you all at the same time. And when you're new, when you're just trying to figure out how to put your first deal together and you're fumble fucking your way through figuring it out, Mm -hmm. it's a lot better to do it with somebody that you don't know that has a little bit of leeway and thinks that this is not your first rodeo and you have amazing people around you, hopefully, that can help you navigate the process you will put a whole lot less pressure on yourself. Yeah, right? absolutely. Unless it is mom or dad or, or, or somebody, they're like, you know, they're totally know that you're, you're new, right? Mm-hmm. But I've had a few instances where I'm actually a little bit more nervous to do deals with my friends and my family because I know that I'm good, but deals always go south. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can't predict And if you've been in business for less than five days or even five years, you're still a baby. You're still learning a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. So other than not going after your friends and family right away and showing them that you're consistent, that you're professional, that you're building the trust, you're doing some transactions, what are some of the other things that you should not do as a brand new agent? I think that... um, I. I think that one of the most important things that I would recommend for brand new agents is to find out how to know how many transactions other agents are doing that are offering advice to you. I mean, I, it took me several months to figure out what's the technology you can use to actually look up another agent. And that's, that's and, like one of the first things that I did, right? You got to check the source. Really what you're yes. saying is if, if you yeah. have an agent that's helping you and they've done like three transactions, uh, well, I think you may want to check and see how those transactions went, right? Absolutely. But if yeah. you have a coach and you have a mentor and they're doing like you 40, 50, 60 transactions, the information coming from somebody like you or somebody who's on our podcast is way different when it comes to quality and checking the source because you've been there, you've done that. You can do certain things with your eyes closed and it's just a mechanic. Yeah. Um, I, I talk about this all the time. Check the source. When you're getting financial advice, if you want to be a millionaire and you're getting financial advice from somebody who is not there and nowhere close, Mm-hmm. and has not increased their income, no offense, with all the respect, I know they probably mean well, but they cannot take you there. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. You know, so, so, so it's, it's all relevant. The information has to be relevant. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's very interesting that this is one of the things that you're saying that you should do and, and not to do because we all get lost. Everybody mm-hmm. has an opinion about everything. But if you're listening to the wrong advice, you're going to be stuck in the same place for a very, very, very long time until you yeah. figure it out. I, I agree. And, you know, and it's really hard because once you, you know, you've got people that are wanting to offer you advice. There's just a lot of nice people who are trying people just to want help. Right. We're naturally yeah. wired to want to help. Yeah, they are. And but I think it again, it's really important to find out who's who's got real evidence to back up any advice. And I think when you do find that you're going to find that a lot of them, the really successful agents are going to be really difficult to pin down and get some advice from them. So there has to be some sort of uh, quid pro quo with them. So, hey, um, uh, Peter, would you mind? Can I can I buy you lunch for the first part? I'll pay for lunch. Can I get one hour of your time? And in addition to that, can I do an open house for you too as, as well? Just to be, because I need, I've got about three or four things I w- I'd like to talk to you about because I'm clueless on would you help me out? So there's got to be something that you can offer in return for them that will help save their time because their time is worth a lot of money. Bingo. Yeah. Save so. their time. Not as a new agent, no offense, you probably cannot offer them anything monetarily that they don't already have. Mm-hmm. Right. But time is scarce. It is the most valuable commodity that we have. The five yes. minutes, the 10 minutes you're going to spend listening to this podcast. Unfortunately, you cannot get it back. So we want to make sure you get value. Right. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed um, and I did this as a new agent myself is exactly what you're saying is. Offer value to the other party and become valuable where you're not taken away from their business mm-hmm. and instead you're contributing. Yes. So I'm very techie. A lot of, you know, high producing agents probably are not because they're very much more a little bit old school or they mm-hmm. just don't have the background that I have. So like I know how to do ads. I know how to do APIs. I know how to code. I know how to integrate their systems. So like when I sit down with them, um, I say, what can I help you with your business? Before you help me with mine, what are you struggling with in your business? How can I offer value to you? Because I don't want to hand out. I want to hand up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So um, I think this is one of those things where basically what you're saying is take the advice that you're getting a little bit with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, check the source. Even though your broker may tell you to do something, make sure that it's relevant and and congruent in alignment with what you like to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Because ultimately that that can have you a little bit of a good start or a bad start. Yes. Now, the other thing that I find um, unique is you took the risk. And you got a five to one return on your Zillow. ads. And I know it's not a topic, but what kind of mindset or what kind of place were you in where you were like, okay, I just got to invest in my business. Cause I know a lot of agents listening to this right now are scared to invest in their business, mm-hmm. whether it's you're investing time-wise or you're investing monetarily or any other way you for you was financially. Mm-hmm. How did you pull out 25 grand? What went through your head? Why did you know that was the, the right thing or Maybe you were questionable thing to do at the time, mm-hmm. but you decided to just go all in from what I can tell. I did. And um, I think that the hardest part was uh, my my best sales job was selling my wife that that's what I was going to do. 
and uh, that I'm going to pull 25 grand out of my retirement account and I'm going to put it into this account. And, and I'm going to be really careful about how I use that. Be, be very prudent because what, here's what I think about, Peter. When I, when I invest in different aspects of my business, especially marketing, I'm always thinking in terms of, okay, if I put in X amount, what do I have to do to get that back? Sure. How quickly can I possibly get that back? And some of some of the things that I've invested in have not worked well um, and or some of them have worked really well for a period of time, but then sort of petered out after a while. And and so in this case, like for for Zillow, I knew that if I spent and I think if my memory serves me right, it was like twelve hundred dollars a month to start. And I thought, oh, my gosh, twelve hundred dollars. Okay. So I need to, so that's going to be about $3,600 for three months right there. And I've got to, what do I got to do to close? And really, I thought, well, I have to close one. One transaction will pay for those three months. So is it possible for me to get that? And that's when I was getting leads, probably a couple, two, three a week. And some of those turned into buyers and some of those turns into, turned into wins. And so I actually started to up my money a little bit and I started getting more leads. And that's how I went from the, doing 12 transactions for the second half of my first year to doing 45 transactions that next year. That's what helped me ramp up and get started. So I was spending increasingly more money on Zillow. I was getting five plus um, on my money on a dollar per dollar back. But I tell you what, then it started to started to I, I'd say maybe about halfway through that second uh, year in the business, I started getting my my uh, new referrals. These new uh, buyers were just not very good anymore. A lot of them wouldn't return calls. They wouldn't finish with me and so forth. So I started really analyzing and I was getting less and less. And I just finally just cut it. I'm not going to do it anymore. But I had to do something else to get more away from the buyer side. And that's what really forced me to going into how can I be a better listing agent and how can I ramp that up more quickly. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com partner or you can just click the link in the description below. 